Just one verse to start off, Daniel chapter 9. Stand with me, we'll read just verse 26. I'm going to talk to you about the tribulation prince, a coming world leader. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26. Read together out loud with me, verse 26 in your Bible, Daniel's right after the book of Ezekiel, if you're still looking. It's in the Old Testament before you get to Matthew. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. Let's say it together. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're speaking about things off into the future, but not very distant. There is coming a kingdom. The kingdom of God will be fulfilled and become real, not just in our hearts, but in this world. But just before that day, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be some trouble. And there's going to be a fraud perpetrated on this world like never before. And Lord, you put it in the Bible. You put it a lot in the Bible about this coming prince. And he is not the Messiah. And Lord, if anybody ought to know what's ahead, it ought to be Christians. So would you help us be not only mindful, but heartful of a world that is doomed, is Deceived is leaving the truth for a lie. Lord, I pray that we would not be deceived ourselves, but be very passionate about, about warning this world to flee from the wrath to come. So bless this service today. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> now, Daniel got to see the future. And uh, I remember as a child, I was probably, I was in third class, and there was a shelf of books in our library at school, all on space. And I remember my dad, I was asking him about the stars, he had just given me a glimpse, he put in my hands a big military binoculars, and, and he showed me the stars, and I fell in love instantly. And he, I started to ask questions. He says, you need to read about space. And I remember uh, going to the library, and I just started with the first book in the line there, and I began to read books and books and books and books. And they were all small children's books <clears throat> for, you know, third, fourth class uh, children. And I began to read, and, I began, and one of them was really fascinating because it was about the future. And as it, as it went on, it had people going up to orbit in these big space stations and um, uh, living in space and then going off to the moon. And, it, and what was neat was they were talking to their families on little bitty flat screen TVs. The people would, would walk around with little bitty boxes in their hands, talking to different people. Um, all the things that we take for granted, I was looking into the future and what people dreamed about. And here we are, I mean, we've got stuff that they haven't even dreamed of yet. But Daniel got to see the future, even though it was 2,500 years before us now. He saw the coming of the Messiah, it says, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah, what he was looking for, he would come, but he would be cut off, killed, murdered, not for himself, but for a world. And then he saw another prince. Did you notice that? And the people of the prince that shall come, a competitor, a false messiah, would come and take Christ's place. But this messiah did, was not going to come to save anybody, but to destroy Jerusalem and to destroy God's people. Daniel saw the end of the worst war imaginable. We call it Armageddon, but he saw it. And he saw the coming tribulation. In one scripture verse there, all of that was the future. And really, 
It's an awesome study when you study prophecy and you study the book of Daniel. I encourage you to read and study Daniel with the book of Revelation because they go hand in hand. But it speaks about a time coming the Bible calls the tribulation. Now go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 and verse 21. <clears throat> and then, for then, Matthew 24, verse 21. For then shall be great, what's the word? Tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. We'll talk more about that in a moment, about just how, how drastic those words are, but the Bible calls it a coming great tribulation, when the whole world will be spellbound by one man, the Antichrist. <clears throat> they will be deceived into believing that this new guy, I called him Jesus 2.0, if you know anything about upgrades, and they will be deceived into thinking that that is the real Savior, and that Jesus... He was a liar. He was a deceiver. <clears throat> but that's just the beginning. This Antichrist will make this world into hell, and the world won't care. They will blame God all the way to the final battle where he, the Antichrist, will get the whole world to turn and to fight like you can God. It's unbelievable that the world will become that way. But isn't the world already that way? I mean, our Western world has moved away from the old Jesus, haven't they? Everything's updated. Uh, anytime you, you learn about Jesus, he's only a nice guy. He never interferes in, uh, in our life. He really is just there as an icon, a role model, just to dabble in. But our world is ready to welcome a modern Messiah who's going to promise peace and is going to promise prosperity like the politicians have yet to do. He is ready to throw, and our, our world is ready to throw everything good and right away. They already are. They've thrown away marriage. Now, if you haven't read about it, but it is absolutely discouraging that our governments are allowing people who are married to downgrade to civil partnerships. What the what the queers have done by coming in and demanding the right to marry, they have so destroyed marriage that now, if you don't like marriage, you can downgrade to civil partnership. You don't have to get a divorce, but you don't have to live together, and you can still claim all the benefits. It is a tragedy. Our world is destroying everything that is good and right and holy. Like pregnancy no more. <clears throat> when... when uh, uh, my wife was pregnant with a third child. I was at work, and I announced, we're going to have a baby. And this woman came up to me, several ladies, they were all feminazis. These ladies, uh, I said, we're, my wife's pregnant, we're going to have our third child. And they says, I forget now the words, help me, Lord. Uh, says, <clears throat> they said to the effect, they said, you know, that's abuse. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But to them, like, one, two, but how can you take, have three children? I have to say this, our world is doing away with our lives. We can't even be separate from computers anymore. Do you realize Elon Musk has developed a little device that it's, it gets attached behind your ear and has a hundred to a thousand little bitty fiber uh, wires that are, are drilled into your head to monitor your thoughts so that you can think and get things done without typing our world is changing everything so that you can't even be human now. Everything's being messed with and changed, and it's not for good. The whole world is spellbound by this guy. And just how powerful will he be, and what is he going to do with that power? Those are two questions I want to try to answer this morning. <clears throat> so let me review a little bit from last week. Get last week's, it's on, on the website and also on YouTube, but... What is the tribulation? Well, it is a thrashing around. As I described, it's like, it's like being thrown around inside of a box. It is affliction and misery and distress and torment worldwide. 
It is seven years of the worst disasters imaginable on a worldwide scale. We think of an earthquake in, in Iran or in California, but there will be earthquakes that rattle this earth from top to bottom, shore to shore. There will be tsunamis, wind and waves raging that will make all men's hearts fear. There will be such disasters that are just incomprehensible. Noah's flood, where the whole world was wiped out, is not as bad as it will be during the tribulation. The day when fire and brimstone fell out of the sky and incinerated five cities in Sodom and Gomorrah, when that happened, that is nothing like what will happen during the tribulation. Then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be, nor sure ever shall be. The Bible refers to this as the time of Jacob's trouble there in Jeremiah chapter 30. It is not our trouble. It is not the church's trouble. We, we get our own trouble. We go, it is normal and natural for Christians to go through trouble, persecutions. Yea, all they that live godly shall suffer persecution. You try to live right, oh, everything's going to turn against you. But that's not the tribulation. This is a time when the physical descendants of Jacob will experience troubles and pain and affliction like never before in history to get them saved. So what's going to be happening during the tribulation? I got news for you. You do not want to be around to find out. So let's read about it and then thank God we're out of here. Amen. Now, as I said last week, I'll give you a little brief thing there. The tribulation is a time of constant increasing disasters and judgments across the world. Now, there are actually two sections to the tribulations. The first one's called the tribulation, Jesus calls it. It's the first half of it. And then there's the great tribulation. Great not meaning great as in grand, but great as in awful, massive, worldwide. The first, uh, uh, throughout the, the, the seven years, you're going to have an Antichrist show up. War is going to follow him, not peace. He'll, he'll say peace, peace, when there is no peace. Then there will be famine, and then there will be death and hell. Each of these are described as four horsemen, four demon-possessed influences on this world that will take over this world. And it will spread throughout the entire seven-year period. And it will only end at a battle called Armageddon. And you know where we'll be? Coming back. We'll be on the backside of Jesus Christ coming through the clouds and we'll just watch as he wins. Amen. You know, if there's anything that happens in your life that's a victory, it's you doing nothing and he winning. You're just riding along. You're just trusting. You're just saying, Lord, go get him. Amen. Now, during the tribulation, you're going to have a guy who comes out first as a peacemaker. He's going to bring ISIS, as I said, and um, uh, Hamas, and the Palestinian Liberation Organization and get them to sit down with Netanyahu and all these guys and they'll all hug one another and cry and be sorry and they'll all be one big happy family because this guy's a peacemaker. He will get uh, warring factions in the Congo and in Ivory Coast and in Nigeria. He will get Muslims and Jews and Hindus and everybody all to get along. He's a peacemaker. But then that last half of that tribulation will go like out of control. That second half there uh, is most unimaginable disasters where the earth will go out of control. As I said, there will be earthquakes that move every mountain out of its place and every island in the sea will be shaken. There will be hurricanes. They, 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 my, uh, Hollywood only imagines just the taste of what, how big and how bad the tribulation is going to be makes great movies, but it ought to scare you that the Bible's bigger. Not only is the earth going to go out of control, the heavens are going to go out of control. The sun's going to go dark. The moon will be turned into blood. The stars will fall from the sky. An asteroid's going to hit the Mediterranean Sea. A comet is going to explode over Asia, poisoning the rivers and the drinking waters of over a billion people. People will go out of control. People will go out of control. They make movies out of zombies and all this stuff. Believe me, that's nothing like what it will be during the tribulation. There'll be an army of 200 million angry soldiers that 
surge and gather surrounding the Middle East with the desire to attack Israel. There are going to be demons loosed on this earth in the form of scorpions that if you read about it, you go, that's impossible. Uh, I've got news for you. They are messing with this CRISPR technology. They are messing with life. They made a tomato glow. glow. Because they took the genes from a uh, from a fish that, that glows in, in the deep water, and they put that in a tomato gene, and when the tomato, they turn off the light, that tomato's sitting there glowing. <laughs> I don't need genetically modified foods, please, amen? So, stuff is coming. We have no, we have no comprehension. People are going to go out of control. Listen, already there's almost no love left. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold and colder and colder. Half the world's population are going to die in those last three and a half years. And everybody's going to be looking to this one guy who's going to try to set himself up on a throne called the Antichrist. It's also called the beast. He's called the son of perdition. I just call him the son of hell. Total unity under that guy. Look at, uh, you're in uh, chapter 24. Look at verse 29, <clears throat> Matthew 24, 29. Thankfully, it has an end. You know, some people are in power forever. <laughs> they never die, but this guy's only got a short time. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. In heaven, that's Jesus. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Why? Because they've been on the wrong side. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will win. All right. So this morning, let's talk about the Antichrist, a.k.a. the beast. Like we really want to talk about him. But we've got to. You see, Jesus spent a lot of time exposing him as a fraud that he is. Because he's not the only Antichrist. There are Antichrists running around right now. There are false prophets running around right now, and some of you are watching them on YouTube. The world has turned their back on the clear evidence for God and the only person who ever took abuse. I mean, if anybody ought to have our respect, it ought to be somebody who took it on the cheek and then took it in the hands, and then took it in the side, and was put on a cross, and he let them kill him. I mean, I know the urge to fight back, but I respect somebody who took it because he loved somebody beside himself. He loved me. But the world has turned their back on that, Jesus. And there's a fraud coming. The world says, I like him better, the Antichrist. Take your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians. Before Hebrews is the T's. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy and Titus. Let's find 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5 and verse 2. <clears throat> you know what I find, Brother Darren? Christians are asleep. They are apathetic. They are not concerned about whatever's going on in the world. They're like, oh, it's always been this way. It has not always been this way. When I grew up, I was able to be out on Saturday from 8 a.m. until sunset. I was able to ride my bike and get home. Yes, there were the odd um, uh, bad things that would happen so rarely. But I'd ride my bike. You know, my favorite thing was digging holes. <laughs> we built forts. We climbed trees. We There was... There was just freedom. There was just fun. There was life. Things have changed. Things have changed. We never sat in front of it. My dad let us watch television on Saturday morning, and we watched Bugs Bunny. And we watched The Roadrunner, and we watched Three Stooges, you know. And then when my dad saw us going a little wacko, he said, outside now, amen, get out, get out. <laughs> and that was it. Now, I mean, you can't pull a kid away from their phone. You can't pull a kid away from the Internet or from their Xbox or Y box or anything. Things have changed, and things are changing faster than ever. And it's not just the world changing. Our governments are changing. Morals are changing. Like, I mean, we always knew that the hippies and the, 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 the fringe was out there, but now they're running everything. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. For, you, for yourselves know perfectly, circle these words, that the day of the Lord, that's Armageddon, shall so come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon not you, but them, the people who are alive at that time, the people who are going to go through the tribulation. Sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they, not talking to us, but we're to be aware of it, they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness like they are, that that day should overtake you as a thief. So will the day of the Lord come and take us by surprise? No, no, it will not. It will not. We're not in the darkness like they are. Verse 5, ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. You know, it's one thing to be saved and still live like you're not. It's one thing to, to, to know the Bible and still live and believe like it's not true. And that's a lot of Christianity. You know, I'm afraid a lot of Christians are going to be surprised they end up in heaven. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Because they are living like the devil. Let's keep going. Verse 6. Say it again. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. Be on the lookout and be sober. For they that sleep, talking about the lost, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Why? For God hath not appointed us, appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ and His coming, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. So we got to talk about this guy named the Antichrist, because if there's anything God meant for us to know about the Bible, is that there's somebody coming who's a fraud. And don't you, don't you, don't get caught up in his shenanigans. Revelation chapter 6. Let's talk about the coming Antichrist. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. See, before we can talk about the coming kingdom of heaven on earth, you've got to understand there is going to be a fight for it. And the devil's going to show up. He's going to try to just ruin everything. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure I want to start there. Rather, go to 1 Thessalonians. Sorry, we will come back to chapter 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I keep saying first, it should be second. Second Thessalonians, forgive me, chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand, as if it was here. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of hell, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing that he himself is God." Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Now just stop there for a second. This guy, I like how he starts off there in verse 1. He says, well, start in verse 2. He says, I don't want you to be so soon shaken in your mind or be troubled. Don't panic. Don't let anybody confuse you because world events will always confuse us. World War I made everybody think it was the end of the world. They called it the war to end all wars. Was it the war that ended all wars? No. But World War I, everybody said, this is it, Jesus is coming back. World events will always confuse us. And in John's day, the Apostle John, and in Paul's day, things were rapidly happening. 
In, in just a few years after the death of Paul, less than five years after the death of Paul, the Romans would send in a general who would destroy the very structure, every wall, every street of Jerusalem. They would pull down every stone of the temple so there's none left standing upon another. And the people were watching that saying, surely it's the end of the world. That's not true. There will come, the Bible says, there will come a falling away of Christians first. Look in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a, what's the words? All right, a falling away. Imagine if I had had a block of 20 of us. Let's just say if I took this, this group right here. You guys are a little spiritual, right? Okay, so I take this group, I get us all in a line, and I say, forward, let's go. And we start walking, we start marching, we start going forward, we start going in the direction God wants us to go. But one by one, people are going, this is boring. Well, I'd rather be this, and mm, I'm not interested in this anymore. And one by one, they start falling away. Then some of them start arguing with one another and start, I don't like you anymore. And they start falling out. And in the end, you look back and it says there was a great falling away. Where's that happening? In churches. In Christianity. There's a great falling away in Christianity. You know what John 17, 12 says? Jesus said this when he was praying. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them, Father, in thy name. Though thou gave, those that thou gavest me have I kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. John 6, 39 says, This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. John 18, 9, That the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, speaking of Judas, Of them that thou gavest me have I lost none except Judas. Let me say this. Judas never was saved. Judas didn't lose his salvation. Judas was a devil incarnate. He was, he was not uh, ever saved. So when he walked away and he betrayed Jesus and he sold Jesus, he was fulfilling a demonic plan, not God's plan. And everybody else, Jesus said, I haven't lost one of them. And if anybody should have been so lost, it should have been Peter. It should have been Thomas. It should have been the whole lot of them. They all walked away from Jesus when he was going to the cross. And Jesus said, I'm not going to lose one of them, and he won't lose you either. So falling away is not losing your salvation. Falling away is losing your love, is losing your drive, is losing your reason why you get up. Some of us in this church have lost our first love. We are falling away. What will it take? What's going to happen in the next few weeks that will make you go, I'm not going to church anymore? It doesn't take much today. When churches should be shining brighter than ever, they are dim and nearly gone. Most people come to church for their entertainment. They come for the personal praise. Come for the power. Come for the blessings. But they fall away. You read about recently some of these big-name Christian authors who say, I'm no longer a Christian. I don't think I'm saved and all this stuff. You know what they are? They're, they're, they're attention getters. They haven't written anything in a while. They've gone through some trouble. And the only thing they can say is, I'm done. Because they want attention. Don't know if any of them were ever saved. Because if you, if you say, I'm no longer a Christian, you have to ask yourself, were you ever? You know what a Christian is? Christ in me, not me in me. If you're saved, it's Christ in you. And he doesn't leave you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So don't get the idea this falling away is when people start losing their salvation. No. It's where Christians start losing any kind of desire to live for God. There'll be a falling away, and then there'll be our gathering unto him. Look back there in chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, I'm begging you, brethren, by what event? He says, I want you to remember the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our what? are gathering together unto him. That's the rapture. I taught <clears throat> uh, children <clears throat> in children's church years ago, and I love teaching this illustration where I made little people out of paper, and inside was a paper clip. 
And so I drew faces on them. They were all different, men and women, boys and girls, and they're all, and I piled them all on the, uh, on the table, and some of them did not have a paperclip inside. And I said, one of these days, Jesus is going to come back, and in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, he's going to swoop down, and half of those little people went up into the magnet. And I pulled it away. And I said, there are going to be some left behind. And you know, the, only, the difference is, they all look the same. They all smell the same. They all walk the same. They all talk the same. What's the difference? What's inside? What's inside? Jesus comes for his own. And those kids are like, oh. They got it. <clears throat> Do you get it? We'll be gathered unto him in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Whether you believe it or not, we'll be gone. That's what's coming up before the Antichrist because as soon as we're out of here, then the Son of Hell shows up. Look in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except they're coming to fall away first. That man of sin is then revealed the son of perdition who poses and exalts himself above all that is called God. Insert that in your mind, all religion. Anything that claims to believe in God, he tries to take over. <clears throat> or that is even worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. So like, like Paul teaching, I'm trying to teach. So here's this guy that just blasts into the scene. He's that first horseman that we read about. This false messiah who comes along riding on a white horse and he comes in the world and he's crowned and he goes forth to conquer and he conquers. That's the Antichrist. Anti means against or the opposite of Christ. He's the opposite of everything that Christ stands for. And one day, in the future rebuilt temple of Jerusalem, he will claim to be God. Daniel 9.27 says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week of years, one, one seven-year period. And in the midst of the week, in the middle of the week, he shall come, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation, the worship, to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Matthew 24. I'll hold your place here and go to Matthew chapter 24. In verse 15. <clears throat> Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore... Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Those, those are words that come from Daniel chapter 9. When you see that, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, when the abomination of desolation, that's a person, when you see him stand in the holy place, who so readeth, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop, don't even come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child and them that get suck in those days. Pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then, at that moment, shall be the start of the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor, no, nor ever shall be. Right now, this Antichrist is being held back from doing all of that stuff, setting himself up as God. Look there, keep going there in 2 Thessalonians, in verse, chapter 2, verse 6. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed, the Antichrist might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. So the mystery of sin is already at work. Only he who now letteth will let, we'd say, allow until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, that wicked one, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, that's a good verse, amen, and shall destroy with the brightness of of his coming. Even him, this is the Antichrist, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now the Antichrist is at work right now, again, without taking time. First 
John chapter 2 says, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. The more religious hustlers there are out there and people who claim to be Jesus, the closer we are to the end time. 2 John 1, 7 says, Many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh. This is a deceiver, and <clears throat> this is an antichrist. But when something leaves this planet, I need you to go to John chapter 14. We'll come back to 2 Thessalonians in a second. John chapter 14. John 14, 15. When something that is holding everything back leaves, the Antichrist gets in motion and he races like a man on a horse. John 14, 15. This is Jesus. He hasn't died yet. He hasn't been buried. He hasn't risen again. He hasn't ascended. Pentecost hasn't happened. He says this, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So what was Jesus referring to was there was coming a day where Jesus was going to leave and somebody was going to come and take his place in the heart of every believer. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. But there is coming another day when that Holy Spirit is leaving. And guess who's leaving with him? The believers. See, he doesn't take the Holy Spirit and leave us behind. No, no, no. We are sealed until that day of redemption where we are, re we are body, soul, and spirit taken up to heaven. But right now, the Holy Spirit of God in the life of Christians is holding back the Antichrist. You may not think we're doing much, and really we're not. But our faithful preaching, this church in here, when we walk down that street on Patrick's Day, when we sing at the... At the, um, uh, at the um, Shopping center at Christmas, when we go door to door and hand out a gospel track, tell people they need to get saved and about the love of God, and they need to repent, and they need to be born again, we are pushing back against the pressure of the Antichrist on taking over this world. And when we say it's not important that we're in church, it's not important that we read our Bible, it's not important that we train our children, it's not important that we're out there in the public, but that we hide in our four walls. Every time we miss church, we darken our world. There's got to be something inside of us that says, it is important that I'm in church on a Sunday and that I know my Bible and that I love God and I walk with God. These aren't rituals. This is resistance. And we need, our world needs biblical Christianity to just stand again. Peter Hitchens, a journalist for the Mail on Sunday, he said this, those who drive Christianity out of society are actually preparing the way for Islam. He said, when our society drives Christianity out of Europe, as they are rapidly succeeding in doing, they will not create an atheist paradise. They will leave space for Islam. He's a smarter man than most Christians I know. That's when the Antichrist will be free to wreak havoc back there in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. In verse 8, <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 8. And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. He shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him, even the Antichrist, whose coming is after the working of Satan. The second most powerful being in the universe is Satan. And he will give that power to his Antichrist. And he will have all power and signs and lying wonders. We'd say miracles. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. That's the saddest verse in the entire chapter. Because go to chapter 1 and <clears throat> verse 5. You're having a trouble, you're having hard times, you're going through valleys. Well, look at verse 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. 
which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of a coming kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer right now, seeing it is a righteous thing with God one day to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what sends a person to hell? Rebellion. You don't have to drink. You don't have to smoke. You don't have to commit adultery. All you have to do is say, no, God. I understand that. I wouldn't want anybody in heaven who doesn't want to be there. But I'm going to say this. You're not just missing heaven. You're facing the wrath of Jesus Christ. It goes on, verse 8. Say it again, in flaming fire. That's how he comes back, as lightning. He taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with... You know, there are religions who say that when you die, it's all over. There are religions that say that. That's not what the Bible says. If you die without Jesus Christ, you will be punished with everlasting, never-ending destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when he shall come to be glorified, worshipped in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe. Hey, we're no better than anybody else. We just believed it. I just believe it in that day. You know what? This Antichrist, when he comes, he will wreak havoc. I have to say this. He is, he is the mirror image, and I'm going to have to stop. i got Two more big points, but I'll save it for another day. He is the mirror image of Jesus Christ. He's the opposite mirror. Uh, and and uh, I got to do this. 2.11. And for this cause, people's decision to turn away from the truth, guess what God does? He gives them a perfect lie. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions. You ever talk, see anybody and says, well, they're deluded. You know, they're twisted. They're messed up in the head. Well, God is going to mess up everybody's mind who, who decided there's no God. For this cause, God is going to mess with their minds, send strong delusion that they should believe a lie, the lie of the Antichrist, that they all might be damned who just simply believe not the truth. I want you to understand, there is no way somebody is is damned for hell and somebody else is uh, uh, elected to heaven. We're all going to hell. And the reason why anybody goes to hell is because they did not believe the truth of their own will. And the responsibility is upon us to say, you must be saved. You need to be born again because the wrath is coming on all, all who don't believe. It's not that, well, I am the elect. You're a liar. You're a sinner. And you ought to go to hell. And he gave you witness after witness and love after mercy after grace. And you just said, I give up. I don't understand it, but I believe it. And God says, done. Anybody else, no matter how hard they try to be religious, if, if they refuse the gospel, they're lost. It's that simple. When we try to make it, well, God chooses this and that. You're rejecting the Bible that says this that they all might be, be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. How many had pleasure in unrighteousness? Every one of us. But what makes a person saved is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Whew. Then after that comes the end, but I'll talk about that another day. Let me just talk about these two Christs, and I'll be finished. Just as Jesus Christ is so is the Antichrist going to be. If you saw him, he's a mirror image. Now, that doesn't mean they're twin brothers. <laughs> but you couldn't tell them apart if you didn't have a Bible. You know, the world is going to meet this Antichrist, going to think, well, that's the nicest guy. Boy, he just looks, he, he, that must be the Messiah. That, that's a better Jesus. Now, Jesus Christ is all of this and more. He is the Son of God, isn't he? He, do, he did miracles. He was killed by religious extremists. He was resurrected three days later. He is worshipped. 
Jesus is worshipped. Amen. He's not an angel. He's worshipped. He directs worship to his Father as well. Has all power. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He will rule the world like heaven on earth. Amen? And he's mocked and rejected by the world today. Amen? Let me show you the Antichrist. He's a son of Satan. He does miracles. He is killed by religious extremists, or at least wounded by them to death. He is healed by his deadly wound by a false healer. He will be worshipped. He will direct worship to the dragon, to, the, to Satan. Should be thus, not thus, the Satan, but to Satan. He has all power too. You read it there just briefly. He has all power on earth, man. If he wants to create an earthquake, he can speak it and it happens. If he wants to reign over the Sahara Desert, if he wants to make a, a city into ruin, he can do it. He will seek to rule this world like hell on earth. And he will be loved and accepted by the whole world. Who's the choice? This one's meek. This one's mighty. At least right now. Huh. I can't get on to the two beasts. You gotta stop. You know why we can smile after learning this stuff? Because we read the last chapter. <laughs> Amen? We started, we went, we win. <laughs> Amen. But I got I to gotta say this. Don't wait. Don't wait till you see a guy come on the scene. I believe he's here right now. Not here, here. I'm watching some of you. Uh, I believe just as Jesus was alive for 30 years and nobody knew Besides Mary and Joseph and his cousin, afterwards, uh, John. Nobody knew he was the son of God. He's just walking around working for his dad, a carpenter's son. He, he was just unknown, alive. And then he comes out and he says, I need to get baptized. I've got to start my ministry. In the same way, the Antichrist, the son of Satan, is alive, walking around Europe right now, hobnobbing, meeting other people. They don't realize they're with the son of perdition and it's waiting for us to get out of here before he says, ah, I can help the world. Don't you wait until that day, because at that day, late. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation, not even tomorrow. And if you're saved, you ought to just thank God that somebody gave you the gospel, somebody pushed you, somebody embarrassed you, somebody hurt you with the truth so that you now are saved. You believe the gospel. You, you find it hard to live it, but you love the fact whew, you're saved. And you go, you know what? There are more people who need to get saved. My family, my children, the world. I don't, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go through that. If they, you know what? There's a great preacher back in the 1850s over in London. His name was Charles Spurgeon. He says, if anybody's going to go to hell, they're going to have to go over me. And he lived his life trying to stop people, trying to hinder people from living for the devil and going to hell. Wouldn't that be a way to live the Christian life? Would you stand with me? Bow your heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, um, in this, I, I don't know, I figure I'm preaching to the choir. But you preach to your disciples with the same urgency. Over and over and over to Christians, you warned about being deceived, about falling asleep, and the world is reeling to and fro on its way into a time called the tribulation. So we need to wake up. We need to stop making church just a Sunday morning experience. We need to make it an every morning experience of our walk with you. We need to make Sunday night a priority. We need to quit our, our jobs and our 
priorities, from taking so much control of our life where we have no time for you and for souls. Because if any generation is going to answer for our world, it will be ours. Because we have every reason to win the lost. We have every evidence that it's all wrapping up. And what kind of Christians would we be if we just stayed back and says, ah, it's the same as it's always been, when it's not. So, Lord, I'm preaching to the choir, but maybe in this room there's somebody who's not singing yet. They've never been born again. Never cried out from their heart of hearts and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. I am a sinner. I am never going to be good enough. I just want out. I want to miss the wrath. I want to miss all the stuff that's coming up. It's not going to change. I have to change. I have to jump this train. And I'm deciding to follow Jesus. I don't know what all that will mean. I don't know where all that will lead except to his presence. You know, if you just pray like that, God hears you, God saves you, and your life is forever different. Dear Christian, never get over your salvation. Never get over what you're saved from. You could be just as lost and stubborn as your neighbors, your co-workers, whatever, who are rejecting the tracks. You could be just as lost, and you would walk right in to that tribulation. Don't wait. Don't wait, dear Christian. Don't wait. Hear or listen or God. Help us all to whew, take a message like this and say, you know what, that scumbag of an antichrist is working his way. I'm going to work against him. I'm not going to do much. I have no power against him. But if I do your will, it still works. So bless as we sing. And we offer up under you our lives and our commitment to you one more time in Jesus' name. Amen.